because people will listen to some podcasts where people talk about seeing, getting these crazy trips, and they think immediately, oh my God, I don't have to take drugs. I'm going to get in the float tank. It's going to do it for me. I'm like, well, it's not necessarily the case. You know, you're not going to dance with pink elephants. Like, that is. It is time to grab a glass of wine and a yummy cupcake. This is Blooming Onion Sessions with Nikki Knox, your podcast for conversations in creating a meaningful life. Let's listen in. Anicca um, means impermanence, and it came from it comes from Vipassana meditation. Well, Anicca is basically just the law of nature that everything is constantly changing. Everything is in flux. Nothing is ever staying the same. And I learned about this word. Um, I learned about Anicca and the concept of it um, after doing, well, while I was doing a 10-day Vipassana meditation course. And so um, Vipassana is known as the art of living. It's the technique um, passed down from, you know, Buddha, teacher to student, teacher to student. And they teach you how to observe your mind um, with, with trying not to react to it. And I came from a place probably, <laughs> I don't even know, three years ago where I could not possibly sit still or even try. I thought meditating was futile, that it was never going to happen for me. Um, and Paul started talking about these courses. And I thought, huh, I was like, this is interesting. And Paul is your... Paul is my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul, yes. So Paul had done Vipassana, and <clears throat> he talked about how it just was so transforming for him. And I thought, 10 days in silence, this does not sound like a vacation. This sounds like torture. I have never been quiet for probably more than, yeah, eight hours of sleep at night. That's probably the extent of my <laughs> duration of silence. So, um, but I guess I was at a point in my life um, where I was looking for answers. I was recognizing I needed to, needed to kind of go inside uh, more, recognizing that the outside world can be challenging. We need to to learn how to control ourselves. And so I thought, okay, this is the time. I signed up for a course. I was on a wait list. And three days before uh, they contacted me, they said somebody dropped out. And you can, if you would like the space, let us know, you know, as quickly as possible. I thought, okay, it was meant to be. Yes, I'm going to do Vipassana. Um, And they end. So you meditate essentially from more or less 4.30 in the morning until 9 o'clock at night. Have you heard of Vipassana? Or? Uh, well, I had been at a Buddhist monastery so in, for seven days, and they have it structured. I mean, you're just meditating basically all day long. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what you do. It's what you do is mm-hmm. meditate all day long. And there is a teacher, and you know, there's a discourse at night, and um, you know, there's mandatory seatings, and then kind of optional seatings where you can meditate in your room, or they discourage you from meditating outside. And I was there in February when it was negative 30, so there would be no <laughs> meditating outside. Uh, no, no worries about that one. There was barely any breathing out of it. <laughs> the walk from the, the Dom Hall to the, to the dining hall and to the 
the dorms was definitely like a hurried walk through the the frigid temperatures um but why it bring, I mean the reason after I completed the course it was just kind of a new release on life and Paul had been talking about floating even from before um taking the course and he was kind of captivated by floating he had looked into purchasing float tanks um even though he had never floated he contacted the Samadhi tank company and was thinking oh my gosh this would be so cool maybe I could put like two tanks in an apartment and like sell time and so after I came back from the course he said okay we have to go float and so we went to pretty much the only place to float um in the Chicago area which is space time tanks in downtown Chicago and space time has been there for 34 years they're the longest running float center in the country um possibly the world um they, it's just iconic in the world of floating. Everyone knows space-time tanks. So we get there, <clears throat> the building itself, it's very womb-like when you go into space-time tanks. Um, it's in a basement in kind of a quiet plaza, and the colors are just rich. It's purples, um, deep purples. It's quiet. There's a saltwater aquarium on the wall. And... Um, you just get it. You take off your shoes, and right away, it just feels... It's just a quiet place. It's just a very introspective place to be. Sign the waiver, read the stuff. Gentleman takes us back to the room, and here I am now. Like, okay, little room with a tank and a shower. What? Okay. Not claustrophobic, but this does seem very strange. <laughs> this gentleman is going to come knock on my tank. <clears throat> you know, after, after my 60-minute session is over, I'm like afraid am I gonna hear the knock am I not gonna hear the knock what's what's gonna happen um so take my put the earplugs in take my shower get in the flow tank lay down and just you know I feel like I'm so rigid like rigid as a board like I know I can't think but yet I I can't convince my mind that okay I'm you're really really safe in here and then sure enough about I don't even know five ten minutes in maybe brainiac that I am my phone rings and uh, I'm like are you kidding me like I, I almost always have the ringer you know turned off and um there's some stuff going on and I had it turned on so I had to get out of the float tank and turn it off and then get back in and then finally I was able to like settle um until a little knock on the tank and I was like that was an hour you know you don't have a watch on in there you're like what like and they <clears throat> would turn a heat lamp on in the room so they would know that if you popped your head out that the heat lamp would be on that you didn't hallucinate the knock <laughs> so you would know your session was actually over so um got out and just felt unbelievable and um after practicing vipassana and getting in the float tank i was like oh my gosh anybody can meditate anybody can do it um and the float tank is such a tool for that. Like it just takes away the outside world. It takes away all the distractions and um, just help people kind of slide into that space of observing quietly, peacefully, calming, you know, calming the physical body, which in turn helps calm your mind. Um, yeah, I remember getting out of my first float thinking that I look like I was 10 years younger. I looked in the mirror and I was like, 
I couldn't believe it. I'm like, all I did was float for an hour. What happened in that float tank? So. Oh, people said the same thing about me the first time I showed a picture afterwards. They they were like, you look 10 years younger. And that was literally, you would have thought I was, you know, in my early 20s or something. So it was just amazing how that, you get like a glow almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how would you describe floating? Like, what would you define? Because I know that there's a lot of rage out there right now. So there's a lot of information going around about floating. It's like the in thing. There's always this new in thing. And so um, floating seems to be getting a lot of recognition in various areas. But I don't know if people who've never known, never done it or experienced it, what, what how would you describe it? What is, what is floating? It's floating. <clears throat> yeah, the... Um, like the traditional definition you'll hear everyone say is floating is just relaxing in 10 inches of water um, that is heated to the temperature of your skin and it is super saturated with um, anywhere between 800 and 1400 pounds of Epsom salt kind of depends on the size of the tank that you're in so you're in this super duper um, briny solution uh, in a room that is uh, light proofed and soundproofed so that you can't see anything, um, you can't hear anything, with the water being the temperature of your skin, as you find stillness, you no longer cease to feel anything. Um, So it puts you in a place, um, it's pretty hard to achieve (laughs) any place else. I mean, more or less, 90% of gravity is roughly taken off of the body so you no longer your brain no longer has to correct um, for gravity it doesn't have to process light or sound and so that gives your brain other resources resources to do to do other stuff Um, and everyone's experiences in the float tank I mean similar but different you know um, some people right away are very comfortable in this environment they feel safe they feel like it's womb-like and for other people you know it might be more challenging you know um so it's hard to predict you know people you know why do people float there's so many reasons for that i don't know if you want to go into that but people people are are coming to us um one of the first things we see is stress obviously you know we are in a time where there is just constant bombardment. We almost never get to turn off. Um, 80s, 90s, before the dawn of cell phones, when people went home for the day, when they left their jobs, that was it. Unless there was an emergency of epic proportions, nobody was disturbing you. If you went on a vacation with your family, that was time spent with your family. You know, you didn't have that Blackberry to see what was going on back at the office. You know, if you were on a beach, in Mexico, you are on a beach. If you're a beach in Florida, you went to Disney World, wherever it was, it didn't matter. Um, that was truly time off. But as things have evolved, the the lines it's it's so blurred between what's work and what's play. And um, the float tank, if you turn off your phone for an hour, it is just an hour of time dedicated to yourself, of peace and quiet. And our brains are starving for this. Um, there's a, a lady who spoke at the flow conference and she had a term called the healthy mind platter. You know, you think about like the food plot, like how you should, you know, stock your plate with fruits and veggies. And she was basically saying that obviously sleep is essential, you know, 
play is essential, but what the the part of the, the human mind needs like quiet time, quiet time outside of sleep, time to just wander, you know, time for your brain to just kind of go wherever it wants to go. Um, meditative time, introspective time, um, it helps your brain um, recover. Our our you know our brain lacks a lymphatic system to help drain the gunk away. And so it's when we sleep or when we meditate, the cerebral spinal fluid has an opportunity to kind of wash over our brain and just kind of clean out, defragment that hard drive, clean out the gunk. Um, but we are giving ourselves less and less downtime, sometimes less and less sleep. So there's a whole lot of gunk that's just building up in our brain and we're super stressed about it. So people come to the Fotank guests, number one for stress. Um, the second reason we see a lot of people finding us is um, pain. Um, I never, I was not tuned into the, the chronic pain epidemic um, that, that our country is, is experiencing um, until, until we opened. And I have never met so many people in pain, all ages, shapes, and sizes. I mean, there is no one size fits all. There's people who had a car accident, um, you know, someone, you know, medical industry put, a bunch of drugs on they shouldn't have put and they had a horrible reaction or you know so many you know bad divorces all these things that bring on um chronic back pain knee pain i mean yeah like knee replacement hip replacements are so high and back surgeries are so high mm-hmm. highly done and people are not getting any relief uh, because i you know teach pilates i come across it all the time and people are just finding a way to get relief so i can imagine that you've had a nice introduction to pain if you have never experienced it yourself with the clients that you have coming in yeah yeah um especially the population um you know women or even we have one gentleman with with fibromyalgia whatever is is going on with the way you know kind of like their nerve endings are firing that they're in constant pain and the flow tank seems to to calm that um the aspect of floating, you know, kind of eliminating those sensations, um, you know, the magnesium, um, the float tank, it's a thousand pounds of Epsom salt, if I didn't say that, which is magnesium sulfate. And that's the only thing, you know, that goes in, in the float tank. And so your skin is your largest organ and you're absorbing the magnesium and the sulfate in through your skin. Um, and so magnesium is known as nature's tranquilizer. It helps calm things down, release um, release your muscles. Um, it also uh, apparently can block um, some of the, the pain receptors in your brain. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, is what is happening for um, people who have kind of throbbing pain or pain all over their body. The magnesium kind of, you know, slides in there and all of a sudden, you know, they, they get pain relief. And that's phenomenal, <laughs> you know. And I don't think people realize that Part of what keeps the chronic pain is that we don't relax, and if we do not relax, our body cannot function as best as it can. So to promote healing, your body needs to deeply relax so it can work at its optimal um, performance. And as long as it stays in that amped up anxiety, like fight or flight mode, it just cannot, it can't do its job the way that it should. And so then muscles get tighter and continue to get tighter and depression and more pain and no matter what you do nothing seems to get rid of it because you're never giving it that time to really 
slow down and promote the internal healing that all our bodies naturally have. I mean, that's the reality. We have a body that naturally knows how to heal itself if we can create the environment to allow it to do that. To do so. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I think um, many people have been in the float tank have experienced that physical release of whether, you know, of your body, your mind, um, a particularly tight muscle. And sometimes even people will report, and I felt it in myself, um, something, you'll feel something relax. And, you know, our muscles have a way of kind of protecting injuries. And so if one muscle has been, you know, for so long, you know, like, you know, if you've over strong quads protecting, you know, a hamstring injury, and all of a sudden that relaxes, and all of a sudden, ooh, there's that hamstring injury just kind of flares up a little bit because it's like, oh, hi, I'm still here, and now it can get, you know, the blood flow, the circulation that it needs if it's been kind of all, you know, things are all wound up, and, you know, that's it. I think when we get that release and finally you get more blood and fluid into these areas, that energetic release, you you feel that. Um, it gives you a sensation, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant in the tank. I mean, yeah, sometimes it's pleasant and sometimes it is unpleasant. <laughs> you know, there's no way, no way around it. Um, yeah. yeah I have to tell my clients sometimes, sometimes you have to go into the pain to get out of pain. Mm-hmm. So typically when people have, especially chronic pain and they've numbed out to it because so much of us numb out and that's just not chronic pain that's like mental pain too right we've learned to numb out Mm. and so somehow they've turned off that trigger or whatnot but when you have to get reconnected to that you you end up feeling that pain but then you can release that pain as long as you've avoided it numbed out to it um you can't get through it it's not going to go away you have to deal with it at some point mm-hmm. so that you can move through it so I always say you sometimes have to move through the pain to actually release the pain yeah yeah they tell you that in meditation sometimes if, if the whatever is giving you pain go to that place and be with it and observe it and 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 recognize that even that pain has like highs and lows in a sense you know like you know, it rises and it passes away. So really, like, meditate on it. Really be with it. And, yeah, I think it, it's powerful. It's, you can start to rewire your brain, rewire the way that you, you think and process things um, through meditation, through floating. Floating, in our mind, is just a gateway to meditation. Um, well, it's an easier way, right? Because most people have a perception that, I'm going to go sit on a cushion, and if I'm in pain, I don't want to sit, right? Like, that's already a hard thing. I don't, my leg's going to move because I just want to get up and move. I can't sit there, and I can't shut off my brain, which is everybody thinks meditation means that your mind goes blank, which is not the case. Right. Mm -hmm. Nobody's mind ever really truly goes blank. It's just not really possible. But I think what the float tanks help do is it's like a great tool to help you get there Mm -hmm. without all the external distractions that you would have if you went to, let's say, meditate in your house or something and you've got, you know, the checklist and the kids and all of these things. This is an hour dedicated to not having any of those external features Mm -hmm. um, that help you just go a little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. It's a a support system for people. Um, You know, people go to a gym, you know, for an exercise class or to a trainer for that support, for that structure. Um, and we kind of provide a structure for people to, to meditate, you know, taking away, um, you know, we do everything we can to take away the outside world, but you are left 
um, you left, you have to observe your mind. That's what um, you're left with. What if you're not a meditator? Let's say you have never meditated before. That's okay. How does that, you know, how, how do we make it like less scary for them? Because everybody really does need to learn how to um, relax the mind. Mm-hmm. That's where I think it start it it naturally just starts to happen for people. You know, we tell everyone when they go in um, that it is a great place to meditate. That you may hear, you will hear your breath. You may hear your heartbeat and other sounds of your body, and to go into those things, you know, to observe observe your breath while you're in there. You know, even as the mind wanders it'll be that's so normal you know keep coming come back to your breath come back to your breath again and again and that's just like you know kind of like meditation mantra in a way you know as many times as your mind wanders just bring your mind back don't be don't be upset with it don't be angry with it you know and then there floats where maybe you want to let your mind wander to all kinds of interesting places you know that may be what you need on that on that given day um you know people the most, the four things that usually I find um, that happen in float tanks is that um, you don't know if you are awake or asleep. You're kind of just in an in-between space. Um, you may have dreams. You could have visions. Um, you lose all track of time. Time doesn't mean anything when you're in there after a while. It's just, there's no perception of it, whether it's five minutes or five hours. Uh, and sometimes people fall asleep. Um, so all of those things happen to me on different days. It's not like I get to one place and I'm always, one thing always happens. Um, so just kind of preparing, not even preparing people, it's managing expectations when people sometimes come in. Um, because people will listen to some podcasts where people talk about seeing, getting these crazy trips and they think immediately, oh my god, I don't have to take drugs. I'm going to get in the float tank. It's going to do it for me. I'm like, well, it's not necessarily the case. You know, you're not going to dance with pink elephants. Like that is not the point of getting into the float tank yeah. is to dance with pink elephants. It's just not. But it's, everybody thinks that you're going to go to this some outer world of consciousness and especially if you haven't ever done mm-hmm. any meditation or anything like that's just not what, what good is dancing with the pink elephants anyways right right it's um chasing another escape right um versus just being okay um with whatever happens on a given day um and that's that's why it's helpful be okay with it you know maybe it's the first time you don't relax and that's that's what's so interesting about floating you the benefits most people notice benefits immediately, um, but the benefits are cumulative. Like anything you do, um, you don't just meditate once, you don't just go to the gym once, you just don't eat broccoli one night, you know? It's one of those things, you keep doing it and you're able to get deeper, you see more results. You know, like I said, people will come out of the tank after their first film, like, oh my God, I feel no pain. Like, that's unbelievable, you know what I mean? Like, that's an immediate, physical you know response to floating to the magnesium to the whole environment but maybe it's five six seven floats before they're like wow like you're starting to cult, you know learn more about you know their body and exploring you know 
exploring their thoughts or exploring the things that are coming up while they're in the tank, you know, that's, that's where the practice kind of comes in. Um, so yeah, again, wandering on tangents, but <laughs> oh, I think tangents are good. Tangents are necessary. Um, so if I'm new and I'm coming in, um, cause I know my experience and I have experience with meditation and yoga and things of that sort. Um, and I still, well, I should say this. I have this tendency to be like, yep, I meditate, I yoga, I'm going to walk in and I'm going to, woohoo, I'm going to get this floating thing right away. And I didn't. Like, it took a little bit of time to adjust to, as you said, kind of like trusting that you're going to float, like you know you're going to float, but like you hold tension, you know, in my neck and some other places. What would you recommend for somebody who's brand new how many times? You know, I, I definitely felt more the second time than the first time because, again, I had that first experience and could relax a little bit more the second time. What be, mm-hmm. would you recommend for new people? Um, we try and encourage everyone to try it at least three times um, because, yeah, at least three because the difference between everyone's first and second float is, is huge. You know, sometimes I think people think we stand up there and are just trying to sell them more floats and they come back for their second float and they're like oh my gosh like I thought the first float was good but I hit a whole nother level on the second float and that's that's the nature of it your body learns how to trust it learns how to release more um Michael Hutchison who wrote the book of floating I think he said it took somewhere between like four to seven floats people really start to kind of get deeper into their sessions and learn how to trust and relax more and myself personally I I even though I, I knew I couldn't sink, my brain, my my neck, you know, my brain wouldn't let my neck release, you know, for a while. I was way beyond 10 floats, you know, and, um, you know, I would do little, like, neck stretches, and my hands behind my head, and then all of a sudden one day I was like, oh, my gosh, my neck is, like, 100% released, you know, and I could feel the way my breath, you know, would I would rise up and down in the water with just my breath and um my you know my head and my neck were free and you know whether that's three floats for someone whether it's five whether it's ten there's 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 no way of knowing just we're we're all we're all so different um but trying to encourage people to give it a few a few times just like i think it's impossible to judge anything off of your first time doing it. I would have probably, I would have never done yoga again if I judged it off of my first experience of doing yoga. You know, I think about that all the time. At first I'm like, this is, this is, what am I doing? What, what language are we speaking? What am I, what am I breathing into? I don't know how to breathe into that. And now like I teach yoga and I love yoga, <laughs> but and, and I walked away after my first yoga class, like I'm done. Oh, yeah. you know, when I think of all the, the physical and mental benefits that I would have never been able to to achieve and so it's the same you know in in the float tank um, for people and we don't expect people to be you know clients for life um i think there's a lot you can learn in the float tank and you can take it with you and apply those lessons outside of the tank you know if you are here working on a meditation practice um once you've kind of found it um you can go close your eyes in your home and kind of transport yourself back to that place because you know you've been there before. You know what it's like, you know, and it, your mind gets stronger. Your mind is able to tune out distractions and you become better at observing the monkey mind or observing the pain. Like this, this 
just like exercising your bicep, your mind gets better at just doing the observing without feeding into, you know, the, the pleasure or the, you know, kind of aversion of sensations. Well, it's a practice. It's like anything in life. When you do something new, right, you can't expect that you are going to be, you know, the Michael Jordan of basketball in it, right? Like, it's just not the reality of it. What you have to do is you have to put some effort into it. I know that's kind of hard in this day and age when everybody wants the quick fix, but I've never found a quick fix that ever sticks or ever works. Like, it's about small steps and making lifestyle changes, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's where it has to be. And you're not going to be the best floater in the world if that's even a thing to have, right? I mean, it's just American society. Like, we've got to be the champion of something or another. Yeah. But but that's not what we're trying to do. We have to make small changes Mm -hmm. within to be able to shift our world around us. And Mm -hmm. everybody wants to take out this big chunk. And so when you're floating, it's just this practice as anything else is. And so you can't expect, oh, the first day I'm going to have every experience from it. And Mm -hmm. and expectations is a killer for almost anybody. But I think your key word of what you said was like, you know, building a muscle like doing the bicep. You don't go and exercise just once and go, oh, I got all the benefits, now I'm done. I'm done. You continue to do it, and you mm-hmm. notice that there's a shift and a change, and as you continue to do it, you get deeper into the work, whether mm-hmm. it's floating or exercise or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And so treating it more like a, a practice instead of this end-all, be-all solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so you got into floating through your husband, Paul. How did he get interested in it because he brought you to the vipassana and all of that but where did he start with all of this he learned about floating like so many people through joe rogan um joe rogan podcast uh joe rogan experience he you know joe has a float tank in his house and he talks about it all the time you know being this incredible tool helping him develop his, his consciousness improve you know improve his performance and so it was it was joe rogan and um which is funny because I always thought of Joe Rogan as a fear factor guy, you know, <laughs> like fear factor. You and me both, yep. I had a hard when he told me this. I'm like, seriously, this guy has a, a podcast that he talks about all kinds of, like, you know, it brings in interesting guests on. Like, are you kidding me? So, um, no, that's where it started. And honestly, when we first opened, um, most of the people who showed up in our first month or two were all Joe Rogan fans. Um, people who knew about floating through him or had listened to recent podcasts and searched and boom, you know, all of a sudden we popped up. Um, and we, that we listed him as a referral source because there are people in the industry who were saying, you know, up, you know, 5% of their, um, referrals are coming from Joe Rogan would have to run the numbers on it. Cause I'm, I'm very curious. I mean, of course, word of mouth is huge, um, for us, I mean, really the most important form of marketing that we have, um, but yeah, him singly as an influential person, you know, in, in the beginning, that that was it. And now, of course, Dr. Raz and Stefan Curry and lots of other people have floated and started posting about it. There's more MMA fighters, um, so people are are seeing it pop up in other places, more mainstream compared to just you know Joe Rogan. But um, yeah, I don't know how many years he's had the tank for, um, but it's, it has to be yeah four or five years at least, I would say. So how did you then go from floating Vipassana to, hey, I want to be a business owner and bring this to the world? 
Well, that was just it. We were driving downtown to float. Um, we're looking wherever we were going somewhere. Like, is there a float center? Like, this, you know, we were kind of shocked that there was hardly any place to do this. And we thought it was unbelievable. You know, like, why is it this secret? Why is it this, you know, well-kept secret? Because floating isn't new. Um, you know, floating was actually invented in, 19, in the 1950s. Um, 1954 and so people were floating through the 60s and 70s and then floating kind of fell off the map in the 80s and people um, blame uh, the AIDS scare people unsure of how it was spreading a lot of public bathhouses and pools um, and, and there was no internet we didn't have the the World Wide Web wasn't there people weren't able to search and get and get information like we are now at our, at our fingertips and um, so as I said, it's amazing, you know, for space time to survive that whole that whole period um, when a lot of float centers closed down. Um, so we joke like they like literally held a little torch for for people in this area to continue to experience um, to experience floating. Because honestly, had they not been there, we probably wouldn't have. I don't know how far we would have driven to try it. You know, I, you know, they were there, so that's where we went and. Um, after that, doing it a few times and just the experiences, both both Paul and I were um, feeling kind of pretty stale where we were in our current you know work situations. Um, and we met through a yoga a teacher training, and it was just you know kind of this path into <laughs> something different. Um, and we realized how much. Vipassana had was able to change our lives and we saw floating as a tool that people could use to you know kind of to tell people about about meditation about Vipassana and a tool they could use to help themselves um, to realize that you have the power to help yourself like you are your own guru that power to heal that power to do everything is inside of you like but we're always looking for someone else to to do it for us, but that's not the reality. And so, um, ultimately, we're like, this will be, we'll be able to help people. And I think one of the reasons I was so stale in my in my current job um, was I just I felt so isolated. I didn't feel like I was doing anything that I was making a difference. And we all, you know, it was comfortable, it was good salary, good benefits, you know, lots of vacation time. But there was something missing. That that, that human factor for me was was totally missing um and it i think that that is missing for a lot of people in their lives you know like you're comfortable you know good job nice car nice house da, 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 but you're not serving you're not helping other people and so we started started researching um you know we started read the book of floating you know cruising on the internet discovered there's a float conference um bought our tickets for the float conference just doing more and more research along the way um, and then we went to the flow conference for, it was in it's in August in Portland and we were just like holy cow there's a whole community of people who are totally stoked about floating they're these people are passionate about it. they're fired up there's research coming out um, there's all these manufacturers of, of equipment like okay um, this is overwhelming at the same point you know we went through a workshop just you know talking about 
soundproofing and salt proofing and, and all these things we're like oh my goodness okay so originally what we thought was like oh just just throw some tanks and you know in a space all of a sudden we realized okay it's a bit more than just throw some tanks in a space um and you also realize that the equipment itself is 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 not cheap um is not is not free <laughs> so we went to the full conference we came home and we were you know we, we kind of took like a week or two off I would say you know like all right let's just kind of let this information stew and settle because we knew at that point it was we either go it's all or nothing there is no halfway into this and so I think that was like the pivotal kind of moment for us like okay this is the point if we want nothing just to walk away because we have not invested much beyond just a time learning you know and a little bit a little bit of financial investment but not you know we were not locked into anything um we had also we were doing some some farming that summer doing other stuff was going on so but then really come September it was still both of us were like okay we want we think we want to do this so we actually went back out to Portland and uh we did an apprenticeship with float on their um a six tank center in Portland and they, they put on the float conference and then we came back from the apprenticeship and then right away we're like okay we're looking for spaces we we already had the name we had the domain like all that stuff had happened you know between getting home from the float conference signing up for um doing the apprenticeship and then it was just kind of full speed ahead um October we looked uh we were looking for spaces and by uh by Halloween we had this space that we're sitting in right now um, and that, like, honestly, that was the point of no return. We, um, you know, putting down the deposit on the float equipment, you know, a 50% deposit, like, non-refundable, <laughs> signing the lease. We're like, okay, this is it. Like, we, we can't, there's no backing out now. Like, this was the point of, of no return. Um, and it has been probably one of the craziest and hardest things that, um, I've ever I've done but it's also been the most rewarding I think that's the way it always goes like the more you put yourself out there um, the more you give the more you know the more it truly does come back to you um, and it was scary honestly I was I was definitely in a very comfortable place um, with you know my job where I was I was like oh is this but then at the same point I'm like I'm so Board. like what what is coming of this like am I gonna just wait until retirement and just cash in on our on our retirement policy that's crazy you know <laughs> like that's not what you know like the generation of okay have a good comfortable life but then at the same point well where's I don't know where's the passion where's where's the purpose where's the why you know and and we had our why for doing this was helping other people, telling them about meditation and vipassana. And like I said, helping people help themselves. And that was kind of the fire that pushed us through and continues to push us through. So what, um, if you don't mind me asking, like what industry were you in before? Like, did you have a background with starting a business or anything of that sort? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I was, um, I was a soil scientist for the Natural Resources wow. Conservation Service. Yes. That's a complete 180. Yes, that's a total 180. And uh, Paul was in logistics for, for Dynamax. So no, neither one of us had 
any business background. We did not go to business school. We did not, there was no MBAs. It's like, we laugh, like we <laughs> came 180 from our, our previous lives. Um, but you figure stuff out as you go, in a way, you know. Um, well, you did the hardest part, which was put the money and sign the lease. And after that, you do figure it all out. But getting your guts to do that first piece, after that, everything else is just... Yeah. It's the first step. Yes. You know, it's it's always the first step. Um, like I said, until we did that, it was, you know, just do-do-do, visiting some float centers, floating different equipment, you know, la-di-da-di-da. And then it was like, okay, like, that was that was the commitment, you know, because there was no, there was no turning back, really, without legal ramifications, you know. <laughs> People were going to come for their money, <laughs> whether, whether we wanted them to or not. So, um, yeah, but that's where... I mean, the skills that I had, um, you know, being a soil scientist, you know, I was good with databases and kind of tinkering with numbers, and um, we would, you know, I did a lot with GIS, geographic information systems, and I like to make maps, so I love to do color schemes. So there were things, like, there were skills that both of us had um, from our previous jobs that helped us here. You know, Paul, my husband, um is just self-taught phenom with, with everything. He watches, you know, videos and reads and then does it. Um, you know, he he painted. He did the trim. He did the tiles. He literally watched tiling videos for, you know, a few hours, went to Home Depot, rented the tile saw, and boom, put the tiles down. And had I tried to do that, we would have lopsided crooked tiles falling, like, <coughs> not on the floor. They would be it. And Paul does it, and you're just like, what? You know, people can't believe this is his first time he's ever tiled anything. <laughs> and it was, it was a Nietzsche folk club. Um, we spent a few hours watching how to put epoxy on a floor and um boom you know epoxy shows up and we're here you know just just doing it making it work um i think i don't know if you wait and if you you try and wait until you're ready or you wait until you think you have enough knowledge it's just not really the way it works you just have to, to do it just just try it um you know pull back the curtain and go and i think we think that other people know so much more than us. Um, and, you know, they're smarter, they have more money. And then you start, as you start to do stuff, you realize, no, they just, they just did it. They didn't care what other people thought. They didn't, they didn't let the other obstacles hold them back. Um, and as a Paul, I feel like is a, just a, a powerful optimist where I can be more of the one who's like, wait, no, is that, is that going to work? Or, you know, are you sure? And he's like, stop, you know, and he just does. Like, he just does. Um, and that's big part of how, you know, how we got here. You know, like it was teamwork, both of us, but um, him being like, no, we're, there's no go. We're doing this. We're doing this. We're doing this. We have to finish. We have to finish. And I'm like, okay, you know. Yeah, I'm like, I know it's crazy. I know, and that, that's the little thing, you know, not having a background in, in business or marketing or, but in my opinion, a lot of it is just learning how to to treat people well, and that that's why I say our, our word of word of mouth, um, talking to people, sharing ideas with people. That's 
the community that you build. You know, that's the community of people who come and and they're coming to float. They're coming to do stuff for them, but they're also, you know, they know like, oh, I'm gonna have a cup of tea. We're gonna have, you know, we'll talk about some cool ideas. I've learned about a new book. You know, it's it's a community around the business. Um, it's not, it's not just not just the business. Like, not just the, I don't know. It's not just the walls. It's not just the the tanks. It's it's the it's the feeling people have when they they come to a place if they're welcome. And I think that's something we yeah something that we are really proud of something that we we believe in you know we really genuinely want to to help other people help themselves and you've started to now consult on other people who are opening float how i mean how is that you go from opening a business and you're fairly a new business to now being the resource in the area well, you very quickly, you very quickly realize, um, you know, the time that we spent researching and, and traveling, you know, that was a lot of our time and energy. And so we, you know, some of we underestimate how much we learned, but when people come in and they ask, you know, they're asking questions and we're like, okay, we really, we know a lot of stuff, you know? <laughs> so, um, the consulting kind of grew out of the need because people just started showing up um any time of the day you know with notebooks asking questions and we're like okay like we really can't mix um mix our time with our you know with our clients with this right now you know and especially um you know well people will take your time if you let them and we were in a place where we just didn't have all that time to give so yeah we started um threw it out there for for consulting and we've We've had people contact us from, you know, from Wisconsin, from Texas, from New York, from Colorado. Um, you know, they're all someplace on this journey of maybe wanting to open a float center. And, um, you know, we, we tell them right away. You know, we tell them, hey, book a floating, go get that book. Like, if you haven't read that book, stop. <laughs> you know, stop what you're doing and read. I mean, I would tell them, go to the float conference. Like, it would be in our opinion, madness for someone to open a float center if they haven't attended, gone to the float conference, haven't been there, haven't, you know, um, there's just, we learn through experiences. Um, everything in life is experiential. And so the float community is an amazing community. It's still a very small community. You know, the we know center operators all around the country. There's, you know, we have little Facebook groups and we help each other and, um, fire off emails to other, you know, to one lady, another woman I know who owns a float center in Iowa. So there's, there's a lot of camaraderie. You know, we are definitely, we've, we've given people a lot of, of help asking for nothing. Um, but as, as questions get more and more demanding from electrical loads to this to that, we're like, okay, like, <laughs> like we're going to have to, you know, set up some, some time. Or if you want to come into our center and you want to see how we set it up and see how we run it and see how we take care of our tanks. Um, you know, we can do it, but there has to be, you know, we have to consult for it. You know, my background in, in soils, you know, it was soils and hydrology. And so looking at the, you know, the water chemistry issues of the tanks doesn't, doesn't really frighten me, you know, from coming from a bit of a, you know, a lab background. I'm not intimidated by that. Um, where someone who has a career in banking, has never looked at a pH meter, you know, they're like, oh my God, what do I do with this thing? You know, so, <laughs> whereas pH meter was part and parcel of being a soil scientist, you know, we had to check pH all the time. So, um, 
our experiences, you know, we have a very, um, we have a, a really unique knowledge set. And so we're, we're happy to share and help people. And the industry, as it grows, more people will get helped, especially in this area. It's not, we don't see new businesses as competition. Um, we can't possibly service everyone from one, one float center. And, um, you know, we do hope to grow our business, but at you know, at some point, but still, you know, there's room for more people to be here um, offering the service of floating to people because it, it really does work and it really does help. And so that's what we tell people when they come in, we're like, do it, do it. Like if you're passionate about it, if you love to float, I mean, if you love to float, number one, <laughs> like don't just do it to, you know, to chase the money or it'll just become another, just another futile exercise. But if you love floating, if you believe in floating and it's power to transform people and help people, then go open a float center, you know, and we can help you with that. You know? <laughs> so. so if I'm a new client coming in, what can I expect? What is my experience going to be like? What are all the steps to floating? Yeah, we tell everyone um, first to give themselves a full 90 minutes. Um, that way they're not rushed. I think um, that's, that's important. Um, before people come in, we tell them to try and avoid caffeine, you know, at least two to three hours before their float so their hearts aren't booming, um, to not shave or wax. So kind of prepare, you know, prepare for the float session. Obviously, don't dye your hair the, the morning of your float. Um, and then when you come here, um, if you haven't filled out um, the waiver online, we have everyone sign the waiver and they just review what to expect before and after. And then every new client, whether they have floated someplace or not, gets our introduction. And we made a, a video of our introduction and we thought that video would mean that we would stop doing face-to-face um, introduction with people. But what we discovered is there is, first of all, a lot of people don't watch the video, but the other thing is there is something really personal about someone talking to you, that, that human connection, because you can't ask a video a question. So many times when do an introduction and someone will be like, wait, you know, ask a question or, you know, want, need a little more information. And so we have that, that wiggle room and that, and that human factor. Um, some people come in here, not nervous at all, but you know, when people are coming in here because of pain or because of PTSD or because of depression, because of anxiety, a video is not the most comforting thing in the world, you know? (laughs) So, um, and that's the way when, I can read someone a little bit and figure out what what's going on, what they're nervous about, and maybe give them a little extra piece of information or a little extra, you know, comfort or confidence before they go in for their session. Um, so yes, that 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 15 minutes before your appointment, when you're new, is your time to sign in, use the restroom, um, sometimes twice, you know, <laughs> and and get. And, just, and get a little bit of, of information before you get into into the float tank. Of course, procedural, you know, showering, taking off your jewelry, taking off your watches, um, drying your face, which is so trivial but superbly important so that, you know, you don't en- enable the uh, magnesium, the Epsom salt to quickly wick its way up your face and end up in your mouth or end up in your eyes. Um, and that's it. We feel that if... Once people have that, you know, if they come out and they have questions, at least they had a found they had a foundation. Um, and 
encouraging people to, like I said, go inside, listen to their breath, cultivate some some stillness. Because as they cultivate that stillness of their physical body, that helps their mind follow that. I think, in my opinion, helps them get the most out of their float. You know, sure, it's fun to ping pong off the walls for a while, but after, I mean, that starts to get boring, you know, and you'll never, you won't be able to get into that meditative space, you know, if you, you know, ping pong the whole time and get up and down five times. And so, you know, being, just being, being still, listening, observing, and and we think that provides the best experience for everyone. Um, (laughs) And people are fully unclothed yes the rooms are totally private so um that is something that's that surprises people the room is private shower is private float room is private so we do not disturb anyone during their session we joke there's no cameras (laughs) 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 people think like is there a camera in the room like no there's no camera in the room what what do you think we are um it's it's a hundred percent private so there have been a handful of people who have brought their bathing suits not knowing, and then when they see, they're like, oh, I thought, I'm not, I'm not going to wear a bathing suit in there. Um, there's been a tiny handful of people who are like, oh, I'm so modest. I, I, I feel more comfortable to wear a swimsuit. And so we – that that's okay as well. Um, you know, it's – you know, it's, it is their choice. Um, you know, we can give them a plastic bag after their float if they didn't bring one for their, their salty wetsuit. Um, but, no, it's – it's totally private. It's totally personal. Um, so, yeah, they don't have to be afraid of anything. Um, we've had one lady had said, you know, I hate the public shaming that goes on with my body when I go to put a swimsuit on and go to the beach or go to the pool. She's like, when I come here, she's like, I'm totally free. I am free of judgment. It's totally dark. I am by myself to just be I don't have to worry like that's and I'm like that's that's amazing you know for someone to be so self-conscious but to come here and be like oh just I just love who I am in my own skin and take that lesson with her because the more you love yourself in your own skin here you'll start to love yourself in your own skin everywhere you know um Emily Norin she wrote the book Unsinkable um she spoke at the flow conference she battled with eating disorders um anorexia and bulimia for years she was miserable very just unhappy and depressed and she started floating um at a place the float shop in float shoppy in portland and her time in the float tank was the only time she stopped hating her body and you know she used to be so proud of her bony you know she said her bony ribs in her first float when she was she touched her body and nothing felt pointy or bony everything just felt smooth and curvy because the epsom salt is so slick when you're in there and so for her it was like the first time she started realizing like you know like oh my gosh my body's amazing you know and she floated almost every day for like a period of three months and all of a sudden there was no more eating disorder in the picture it's like she loved herself she loved her body too much to to do that to herself anymore and that's where the transformations happen for people, you know, just loving who they are, being who they are, and realizing that's that's perfect and beautiful. And then they share our stories with us, and we're just so lucky for that. <laughs> like, um, yeah, no. no. How, how often should somebody float? That is personal preference. Um, the 
most if someone is coming with chronic pain um, that's usually the people we see the most maybe once a week we had one gentleman he's finishing up an unlimited month of floating which is really cool and I think he has floated 17 times um, and he was going is going in for a major surgery this coming week and so he's in a lot of pain there's a lot of stuff going on and um, every time pretty much he came out would come out of a float he'd be like oh my god I'm pain-free good you know it lowered um lowered his blood pressure to the point that he actually got off blood pressure meds um so the reasons why you float i think chalk up to the reasons or how often you float so once a month every other month every other week um are usually what we see um people who are you know just using it as another tool for self-care, you know, putting it on par with massage or chiropractic. Yeah, definitely once a month. Um, time it with something, there's a stressful event going on, you know you're going to need um, need it. Time it with that. We have one gentleman who travels constantly and he tries to float every time he comes back into town to help him with kind of the jet lag, the exhaustion, you know, the fatigue. Um, so we don't, I don't like, we don't like to prescribe floating to people. Um, if people are getting the benefits from it, um, they'll know. And like one lady was like, oh, should I come every two weeks or every three weeks? Like, I feel like the pain starts to get really bad at the three-week mark, so maybe if I come every two weeks, I'll be able to kind of cut it off. And we're like, totally up to you. You know, like, what what works for people? Um, so that's, that's our take. <laughs> it's a good take. Yeah, I, I don't want to tell anyone to be here three days a week. You know, it's it's a it's a personal a personal thing. No, I usually recommend most holistic therapies. I usually say, you know, if you're in pain or you have a lot going on, you probably need to do it more often, and then you start to space it out. So you start with a more intensive schedule. You mm-hmm. know, maybe once a week, maybe twice a week, and then you can go down to once a week, and mm-hmm. then eventually going to you know your daily maintenance especially if you're doing other things as well if this is the only thing you're doing well you possibly should do it a little bit more to have that balance it's all about finding what works into your schedule because if you don't do it you're never going to get the benefits anyways so you have to make it fit for you and not make it a chore because the like the second it becomes a chore you're not going to do it right you're going to give up and you're gonna be like i'm done yeah 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 i know it's amazing um, he said people will be like bolting in here for their appointments, you know, and um, yeah, there's oh, there's so many stories. That's what's amazing. The amazing part of being here is the stories of all of the people who come through our doors. And I never like I, being more or less kind of in an office, not seeing or dealing. And I'm getting to work with very many people, and then being here at Anicha, and you know, hundreds of people come through a month. Um, and I mean, some of them is the same people who come multiple times, but everyone has their stories. Um, everyone has something going on and they share a piece of that, you know, with us. Um, I said, there's, we have a nurse, she's probably in her late fifties, sixties and she has fibro. And when she came in for her first float, you know, she was really struggling and, um, you know, not able to move very well and, um, she called a week later after her first float and said, oh my God, she's like, 
everybody at work asked me, what the heck happened? Like, I could move better. I didn't feel pain. She's like, I, she didn't have pain, she said, for seven days, which is unbelievable. That I would say that is kind of a tip. That's an extreme. Um, and a whole slew of other positive things had happened. And so she was in last week, and she said, you know, before my first float, I almost could not have imagined um, living my life 20 more years with all this this pain. She's like, and since finding floating, it's been like a new release on life for me. You know, I, I feel better. I'm able to do more. I have more energy. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just altered her life in new ways. And I think that's, that's unbelievable. You know, we just set the scene for that. You know what I mean? Like we just provided the space and she found us and that those are like the success stories, you know, people who just, who get it, who love it. And they they don't know why they think, what am I doing? I'm taking two showers and I'm soaking in my, in a a pool of water, you know, (laughs) it's like, sounds so crazy. Like we literally provide showers and a salt bath, you know, (laughs) but that, that time is so crazy. It's so, it's so amazing for people. So it, it helps them. It's just this dedicated quiet time for themselves that they need. And it's just, they come out, they come out different. I don't know. I love it. I love floating to this day. And we, we still float, you know, we're, we're obviously, you know, we try and float at least twice a week, which can be challenging at times with our schedules. But, um, it's, it's essential for us, like part of kind of a balanced, um, like healthy life, just giving yourself that, that time for yourself. Is there anything you want to leave everybody with? Any, like, last words or comments? Oh, my goodness. Or even one last story. (laughs) One last story. Because stories are always so good. Yeah. No, I think one of the biggest lessons... um, we've learned from building this business is that you really can do anything, um, anything that you want to do. We put up so many barriers sometimes and we realize that we have the power to tear down all of those barriers. We don't recognize our potential. Um, myself included, you know, on a daily basis. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like stopping myself from doing things, but all of us, we have the power really to to heal ourselves, to change our lives. It starts with you. You can change yourself, which in turn, you, you change one more person who changes another person, and that changes a community, and we literally have the power to change the entire world. But that starts from very, that starts with you. And, um, you know, we created a Nietzsche float club, and we created it, as we call it, as a human club place for people to come to share ideas to share inspiration to share our passion um because it really does start it starts with one um we are turning one in uh two weeks actually it's just amazing um we are gonna have a party here um for anyone who who wants to come um and that's it guys one love (laughs) well thank you Lindsay, for sharing thank you an awesome experience